Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, come on, LifePoint. Who loves their home church? That was weak. We can do better than that. Who loves their church? Come on. That's what I'm talking about. It's so good to have each and every one of you in the room with us today. For those of you who are worshiping with us online, thank you for choosing LifePoint Church. And if you're a guest with us today, from our family to yours, thank you for being with us. We know you could be doing a lot of things, but you chose to be with us, worshiping, praising God. So we're so grateful to have you here. If we've never met, my name is Andrew Garcia. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint Church, and I'm really excited about part two of our series, Chasing Shadows. And here's the deal. If you missed part one, then today you need to go back and watch, listen, take notes on part one from our lead pastor, Danny Rivers. He did such an incredible job setting up this series, and this church is incredibly gifted with an incredible communicator, so don't miss out if you've never heard him. Come back next week. I promise you, you won't regret it. Now, I want to summarize our series with the, with the one verse that we are using as our, as our foundation, um, which is in James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? Above. Coming down from who? The Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. There is an underlying problem that all of us share. Like how many shadows have we chased in our lives that we could never catch? That never brought the substance to our lives that we longed for? that we were hoping for, careers, titles that never filled up our cup, success that never stopped asking for more, money that fixed the moment but didn't take care of the deep needs of the heart. How many accomplishments until enough is enough? How much money do we really need? How many relationships will we run through? How many dreams will we chase to get what it is that we're looking for? There seems to be a universal problem a longing, a deep need within each and every human that has lived, that will live, these needs that drive us, these motivations that dictate our human behavior and decision-making. And there are these four buckets that we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks that we're looking to fill up our lives, to have this happy, whole, healthy living, right? And we started last week with identity. The four. Identity. Who I am, purpose or significance, what am I here for, security and safety, who's got my back, acceptance or belonging, where do I fit in, where do I belong? Last week we talked about identity, and today we're going to shift to examine what does it mean to have purpose or significance, where do we even begin? That's the question that we're going to be contending with, what am I here for, like what on earth Am I here for? And I want to walk us into purpose by stepping into Matthew chapter 3. And this scene in scripture is one that I believe positions us for purpose and reveals the issues that we all contend with along the way. And I'm going to be honest today. I'm not going to directly talk about purpose because until we understand what it takes to get there, a lot of us will never live purpose out. 
And so Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 13, is going to set us up. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Now John would have prevented him saying, wait, wait a minute, Jesus. I need to be baptized by you. Why on earth are you coming to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus getting baptized is kind of a big deal. This last line is kind of a big deal. Jesus was not in need of repentance. He didn't need forgiveness. And if you're exploring faith, words like sinners and sin are words that can seem so judgmental and foreign to us. So I want to give you a definition to hopefully give you a little bit of clarity. Sin, as I see it, is simply an issue of the heart, mind, and soul focused on the expansion of self. Sin, simply put, is the focus of self, the expansion of my heart, mind, and soul. And I think that we can all agree that we all got a little bit of a sin issue because we're all pretty selfish. And the problem with me is that I'm not a good person. Like, I don't know if you've noticed this, like, I can do good things, but I can't sustain good things. You notice this about yourself? Doing good and being good are a world of difference. And there are a lot of deep, dark, broken parts of my life that no one gets to see. And it's the focus of self, the pursuit of life left unhinged that creates a separation between God and I. Why? Because God is good. And I am so very, very, very far from it. And the truth is, you are too. And I need to acknowledge him and pursue him first in my life in order to experience the healing and wholeness that reshapes the deep, broken parts of me. That's what the Christian experience is all about. And in this moment, as Jesus is being baptized, he is identifying himself with those that he came to save. The crowds, people like you and me, people who are becoming aware of their deep spirituality and their need for God. And Jesus is saying, hey, let me show you the way. Let me model for you what the greater life with, Je with, with God looks like. I'm going to give you an outline to live your life by. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And don't miss this. What has come down from above? A gift. A good gift. The perfect gift. The Spirit of God that rests on our lives when we choose to follow Jesus. And we could have a whole sermon on this. But what's so incredible to me are the words that God speaks to Jesus. The declaration that is made publicly in front of everyone. God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son. Exposes us to the identity of Jesus. Jesus is being identified as the long-awaited messianic king which means that based on what the prophets have spoken, what the nation of Israel has undergone throughout their journey as a nation, not only do we know who Jesus is, we know what he has been purposed to do. And in this one moment, we find that identity and purpose are joined at the hip. You cannot separate one from the other. What we do should flow out of who we are. 
what we do should flow out of who we are. The two were never intended to be separated. And a lot of things go sideways quickly when all we think about is what we do. Like how many conversations start with the question that we all know, what's the question? What do you do? That's how so many of our conversations begin. When we, when we meet somebody for the first time, well, what is it that you do? As if what we do is the sum total of who we are. Work is not a reflection of our worth, but work should flow from who we are based on whose we are. And when we don't have a firm grasp of our identity, we find ourselves on purposeless paths, pursuing passions, but never experiencing divine potential. But when we know who we are, we move through life with meaning, making measured decisions daily. This is actually what we see Jesus doing. Jesus, right after being baptized, what happens next in the story is quite telling to me as we undergo our own journey of faith. Matthew 4 begins. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit the gift that was given from above, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Before we can even explore what comes next, we need to understand the very first line in Matthew 4. Jesus takes his first steps into a purpose-driven life by being baptized and then allowing God's presence, the gift of the Holy Spirit, to take him to a place of isolation for a season of preparation before being tempted by the devil. Now, the word tempted kind of leads us astray because the word that was actually, that's, that fits better within this passage that I think actually changes significantly the meaning of what is happen, happening is that this word tempted actually means to be tested. And William Barclay, a the- theologian, makes this statement. Just as metal has to be tested far beyond any stress and strain that it will ever be called upon to bear before it can be put to any useful what? Purpose. So people have to be tested before God who can use them for his purposes. This is good. Because what we call temptation was never intended to make a sin. Rather, it was, made, it was made to enable us to overcome sin. You see, there are these moments that we experience that are not, God's not tempting us to put us into a bad position. Rather, he is trying to test us to pull the good disposition within us out of us. Temptation is not a penalty of the human condition. It's the testing to reveal how we are actually God's children. And what's so hard about testing is often we have to undergo tests alone. Come on. You know that's the worst part of a test. That's the hardest part, isn't it? And I love what William Barclay says. He says, we often go wrong simply because we never try to be alone. There are certain things which can only be worked out alone. There are times when no one else's advice is any good. There are times when it becomes necessary to stop acting and start thinking, to stop moving, to stop trying to solve everything on your own, and to stop and give it a rest. It may be we often make mistakes because we do not give ourselves a chance to be alone with God. 
we really need to let this sink in. We really need to think about this moment. Because it's, it's interesting to me how many voices we will listen to, how many books we will read, how much money we will spend on our education in pursuit of purpose, but never really give God, the one who has designed our life, a chance to speak to our life. We've never really taken the time to be with him and only him alone without distraction. And if you've been struggling with purpose, let's just have a moment of honesty because it doesn't matter what age you are. We all can struggle with purpose. Have you really, really dedicated time to spend with God, just you and him and no one else? Because Jesus... Listening to God's call in his life gave God 40 days to get himself straight. How many have we given? And this is where scripture carries us next. Because Jesus, having taken a step of faith in baptism, and if Jesus did it, we should probably do it too. Receiving confirmation of his identity as the son of God is moved by God's spirit to a place of isolation with God to undergo testing before he can step onto the path of divine purpose. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the verse before is the verse that I want us to focus on for a moment, because what is the very first thing that comes out of the tempter's mouth? If you are the son of God. The very first thing that he tries to confuse Jesus with is his identity. Because if the deceiver can stir up enough disbelief in who we are by removing us from whose we are, he won't even worry about what we do because it won't be aligned with who God made us to be. If we aren't in a meaningful relationship with God, how can we do something that is truly meaningful within our life? And the evil one starts by creating chaos with our identity and then moves to disrupt the purpose of God in our life by testing our faith. This is exactly what we see him doing with Jesus. And this first test is so powerful because Jesus is first challenged with an internal question. Jesus, will you use your powers, your gift, for your own selfish use? Think about it. How often do we struggle against ourselves or become aware of how we are using our gifts to further our own personal gain? Did Jesus have the capacity to turn the stones into loaves of bread? Of course. God had gifted him with divine power. But Jesus didn't confuse his power and God's plan. He knew that he had it within his capacity to provide for himself, but he also knew that he needed to have complete dependence on God. Come on, somebody. We're preaching and teaching today. We need to tap into what God is trying to say to us. The next verse. The next verse. Then the devil took him to the holy city, And set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, what? If you are the son of God, 
Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, I want to share with you what I think God spoke to me concerning this. Because I read this and I see a test of willpower. I see a test of will you be willing to trust? Do you believe that God will be there for you in each and every moment where you find yourself alone? Because how often do we find ourselves in situations where God's word says that he will provide for us a way of escape, provision within our prison, peace within the circumstance, a miracle for our sickness, and we want to believe it. But we can't seem to see how God is presiding, how God is providing, or where his spirit is residing within our life. Our enemy is going to deliberately position us within spaces and places where our faith in God is threatened by what we see and feel rather than trusting what we know is true. The enemy wants to push us to a place of such desperation and need that we act recklessly and hope that God will rescue us from our situation. Listen, if our faith is dependent on signs and wonders, then you really don't have faith. If faith cannot believe without sensationalism, this need for God to show up moment after moment through miracle after miracle, then it is doubt that you have that is looking for proof and it's looking in the wrong place. Because God's power and provision is not something to be played with or experimented with. And this is what Jesus is telling us. God's power and provision is something to be quietly trusted each and every moment of each and every day. The second temptation, the test that Jesus has put up against is, are you willing to trust in God's plan and his path even when everything around it doesn't make sense. Bringing us to the final exchange. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you would just fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And here is what I find so incredible about this last exchange. It's very clear that Jesus is well-versed in scripture. He has put God's word deeply into his heart. And there's a psalm in Psalms 2 where the psalmist was reflecting on the words of God to those that God calls his own. And this is what it says. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son, identity. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. The promise and provision that's given to him. And this is kind of incredible, but there's one tiny setback. Does it say when? When does this go down? When will this inheritance be given? When is what is promised, when will that be provided? 
You see, what often shakes purpose is what rattles identity. And the tempter is saying, if you would be willing to compromise now, just give in a little bit today, you can have all that you have been promised today rather than waiting tomorrow. If you would do just this one thing, I could make you who you know you are and give you what you've already been promised. Don't miss this. Just take this one step and I'll give you success. How often do we attempt to advance in life and compromise thinking that this one thing won't make that big of a difference to me. It really won't change my faith. This one decision won't change who I am. It's not gonna hurt anyone. I'm just gonna do it this one time. Only to find ourselves in holes we never realized we were digging for ourselves and our lives spent of things of no substance. All of which began with one decision we thought wasn't a big deal because we compromised instead of trusted God. You see, this is the problem with purpose. Real purpose is costly. Purpose requires us to pay a price. And for a moment, I want to get really practical. Andy Stanley, a pastor in Atlanta, frames purpose so cleanly that I just want to bring his thoughts in for a moment for us to consider. Because purpose, by definition, is the reason for which something exists or is accomplished. Purpose is the reason for which something exists or is accomplished. This is the gotcha of purpose. Because in order for something greater to exist, to be accomplished, I, we, must be the reason on which purpose rests. In other words, the something that we want to see can only be done through me. The something that we want to see changed in the world can only be done through me, Purpose is a means to an end. And unfortunately, that means we have to be the mean to get to the end. Purpose has a cost, so costly that most people never pay its price and ultimately find themselves wasting their life. And when we attempt to shortcut to purpose, we find that our end is without substance because it's the shadow that we can see but can never be. We attempt to shortcut our way to the end, but we miss the means that make the end matter. You see, I think that Satan, the tempter, was doing to Jesus what he so often does to us. He wanted to give Jesus the easy way out by denying identity, by subverting God's purpose to receive what would ultimately be ashes in the end. To shortcut shortcut God's plan and miss out on God's purpose is the decision that so many of us have before before us. Matthew, what is so incredible is Matthew, I think, has given us a playbook to purpose, revealing that purpose is a process, not an event. And the longer you live, the more that you realize that as God is navigating you through tests, through trials, through seasons, he's expanding the vision of his purpose for your life. It's constantly growing, taking new ground, advancing his kingdom, all for his glory because your eyes are on him rather than you. It starts with God because God, through Jesus, is only good news to those who recognize they are in need. God, through Jesus, is only good news to those of us who recognize that there is a deep need that we have that only he can solve. And when Jesus is getting baptized, he is making the statement that says, I see you, 
I understand you. There is something within you that is so deeply broken that someone needs something greater needs to come into the picture to save you. And Jesus is saying, just look to God. He is the good father that you need for your life. And the purpose for life begins with an admission that you need help. And we turn to God through the life of Jesus for his hand to enter into our picture. When we claim to follow Jesus, we're saying God will be the source of our life. He will be the one in whom I, all things, who I am, will be anchored. All that I am and do will begin and start with him. He becomes our place of identity. And in this moment, there is a divine gift that is given to us when we say yes to following Jesus. God's spirit, the gift that comes down from above to help guide and direct our knowledge of who God is through the gift of God's word. This is why God's word and God's spirit are so important for us. This is what makes Matthew 3 and 4 so relevant to me because it feels like an outline of our journey of faith. Have you noticed that when you step into faith for the first time, you're so in love with who God is? As expressed through the life of Jesus, it's overwhelming. And we go all in, we consume his word. We dive head first into this brave new world. We show up, we group up, we serve up, we spend time with him. But then something slowly begins to shift. What felt like a run turns to a jog. And the pace of faith begins to slow down and what felt like a jog becomes a walk and what is a walk becomes this crawl and before we know it, we're desperate for God to show up in our world. We have no idea where we're going or why he seemed to have left us. Without even realizing it, the testing of your faith has begun. The enemy is going to do his best to first shake us of identity. Do you really believe in God? Is God really good? Are you sure? Are you sure that you can trust God's word? How come you don't feel God now like you did at the beginning? The fight for faith The the path of purpose begins at the intersection of identity. And if our adversary can get us to question if we really are a child of God, that can be enough to disrupt God's purpose for our life. And if he can't get us there, then he moves us into the three tests of faith. The test of provision, the test of trust, and the test of compromise. The test of provision, the test of trust, and the test of compromise. What is so interesting to me about these three tests is that they are meant to move Jesus' eyes off of God and place them on himself. It was the enemy's attempt to remove the vision that Jesus had to cloud his eyes in his judgment by putting it on his needs, his wants, his desires now. As if to say, come on, you don't really need God to have all that life has to offer. Our enemy is trying to get us to think that we do not need God to accomplish all the things that we want from and for our life. And what rattles so many of us through these tests is that in the middle of them, 
These tests are so brutal and there's so much space and time between them where we're stuck battling with our own thoughts, having, catch this, having to trust that God is going to provide, having to trust that his word is going to come true, having to trust that if we're obedient, we won't have to compromise. God is going to see us through. And yet so many of us, in these moments of testing, we feel like God isn't providing. We feel like our, our trust in him feels so shaky. And how many times do we ask ourselves the question, should I just throw in the towel? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm beat down. It doesn't feel like my faith is worth fighting for. It doesn't seem that God's purpose for my life, I can't seem to be grasping it. Because there is a path to purpose and the testing of our faith prepares us for the divine purpose that God has for our lives. And if we don't pass the test, we can't walk into God's divine purpose for us. And the test and Jesus' final response revealed to us where purpose is found. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Him only shall you serve. You see, purpose is found in a life trusted to God whose eyes are looking to him for how can I serve you best. And what's so incredible is that God will place purpose all around us in ways that embraces our personal uniqueness, how he created us. But it comes to the struggle and the strain of trial and testing. And if you're in this space and it feels like God isn't near, that God has left you out to dry and you're ready to throw in the towel, I want to leave you with one more verse. The psalmist says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. The position that you find yourself in right now is setting you up for purpose, is setting you up for a life that is fueled by faith and trust in God and who God is and how he will come through on your behalf, how he is faithful and he will see you through. Do not be shaken in the storm. God has you in his hand. He's working on you in ways you could never imagine to bring you a life if you would trust and see him through that you never thought would be possible for you. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? If you're in this space and you feel like your purpose is, is on the line, you've, you don't know what it is that God has called and created you to do, would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. Hands are going up. They're going up. Thank you. I want to pray over you. Heavenly Father, you see each and every child in this place. God, you know them by name. You created and crafted them in their mother's womb. God, and you see how desperate we are, God, to know you, to experience life and life to the full as it comes through you. But God, what it is that we're going through right now has us so shaken that we're not sure if we can really believe in you. 
It seems like our life has no meaning right now. There's no purpose that's ahead of us. We seem to not know who we are or where we're heading. But God, your word is telling us and showing us that if we would remain true to you, you are working something out that's in us for the greater good. This pain, this struggle, this trial is going to allow us to step into a purpose-filled life in a way we never thought was possible. Significance, God, that you have wrapped up in a bow and you're ready to hand us as a gift. We just need to trust your provision in this season. We need to remain obedient to your word, to not compromise, God, on truth. God, help your spirit, the gift that is given to us from above, God, to embolden us, to strengthen us, to give us courage that you will see us through. That no matter what we're facing, no matter the storm or the enemy, the lies that we see, the circumstance that surrounds us, God, that you have never forsaken us, you will never leave us, that you have our steps prepared and planned before us. The victory is ours. Purpose is just ahead. If we would just trust your word, you would see us through. God, thank you for the deep work that you have for our lives. Thank you for your presence in your spirit that speaks and breathes life to us, God, in our moments of need. God, help our identity to be anchored and rooted in you, God, so we can walk in the purpose that you have created for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.